We're live. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Light Shed podcast on this beautiful eve of Labor Day weekend. Hello, Rich and Walt. Hi, Brandon. Good morning. Good afternoon. I have, I have one reminder to make before we kick off. Since we will not be, well, here it is. It's a birthday candle. It's a birthday cake. Do you know what it is, guys? Light Shed's one-year anniversary coming up next week. It is, and it's coming up before we record our next podcast. So I figured we should celebrate now. Does that mean if most companies, which I've told my kids on many occasions, like most companies fail before their first year? So does this mean we're kind of in the clear if we can get through to next week? (laughs) I mean, we survived COVID. I mean, that that was already the first challenge, right? Oh, so COVID's over? COVID, COVID over? Yeah. I think we said that on the podcast like 13 weeks ago. And, you know, here we are and we're still dealing <laughs> with COVID. So I know. I was I like looking through the podcast topics for this week and I was like, oh, we're still doing all these COVID topics. Same old crap. Five months later. Um, but I got to switch my background now back to, um, Barzil and Walt has gritty up. How much hockey have you watched in the last six weeks? Well, more than I've watched in the past five years. I mean, if you start adding up all the overtimes, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of games, but it's been absolute. I mean, this Islanders Flyers series has been incredible to watch. Um, even we though, have, but the, we have football in less than a week. Uh, the, yeah, but this has been. I'm ready. I'm so ready for football. I don't know. Right. So I mean, next, so next week when we do this, we'll see. We'll, we'll we will have seen one game. Will we be disappointed in the product um, without fans or? Say like, yeah, I'm so fucking happy that football is back. God, be a great I, honestly, I forgot that the NFL is coming back next Thursday. That's is that because engaged. there's so many other sports going on right no, now? I've been so engaged in the hockey. I mean, you're going to have, out of the four series, you're going to have three game sevens in the next two days, which is pretty amazing. And two of those four series have been pretty one-sided and somehow they're in game sevens including it's also hurting basketball for sure like there's no buzz around basketball i mean just isn't i mean we talked about it last week but it's just hockey is just taking front and center did you see uh, and there's been talk about the ratings what cuban um tweeted yesterday about the ratings and he was pointing out that if if you look at share as opposed to viewers Uh um the NBA's up. And I think this goes back to that daytime thing where if anyone's, if you're tuning in during the day, you're pr- at this point, you're probably watching the NBA if it's on. So that's one way to, to spin it. And I There's guess also a lot less people with television year over year. I mean, we've probably lost now 8% of TV households over the last year and streaming's and exploding. That, and, and the one, and the ones that are remaining are, you know, more likely to be sports fans. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I just think you're losing, you know, so you're losing viewers. And so your share is going up as the, as the non-sports fans leave you, the, the share should go up year over year. You would think of total TV viewers. 
Just um, mathematically. Are people cutting the cord, Rich? I didn't know that. Just a few. Just a few. And, and one last question before we get to it. What the fuck are those glasses you guys are wearing? Well, Brandon, this is the new hot trend in WFH. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what WFH is. Work from home? Oh, right. Okay. Um, the blue blocker glasses. I'm surprised they're even still available on uh, Amazon. Rich started the trend. Um, now they're all over the place. Get your blue blocker glasses before you. All my kids ease, have them for remote school that starts next week. To ease the strain. We just stared at screens all day long anyway. I know, but now your eyes will be relaxed from the. What does blocking. this have to do with work from home? Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, we stared at screens all day. I guess we used to go to meetings and stuff and then guess, just stare at our phones the, kids the, and the time teachers. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Good topics. Point, I, think, I think I think there's a lot of them this week. <laughs> yes, let's go. Starting with our good SoftBank start. Walt, why don't you lead us off? What well, is what, going what on? we have showing, um, Rich, on the screen is a tweet about a Financial Times story, um, which basically said SoftBank is the Nasdaq whale that has bought billions of dollars worth of U.S. equity derivatives in a move that stoked the fevered rally in big tech stocks before a sharp pullback on Thursday. According to people familiar with the matter, Dow Jones obviously had a follow-up story as well. Um, so <laughs> we had heard that they bought big tech stocks a couple of weeks ago, but now they're kind of layering it in and saying, Masa, who drove up the, many people believe, the valuation in the private market, and then a lot of those things didn't turn out so well, and they've been selling them as fast as they can, um, their private investments. So, so they took their cash and rather than just buying the equity of, of FANG, which we thought from a couple of weeks ago, they bought, um, I think, what, call options or effectively derivatives <laughs> that the Financial Times and Dow Jones believe have juiced the market in this you, massive rally that Apple. Did either, you, did either of you read the article? I did not read the article. Yes. I, and were these, I mean, they were derivatives. So they weren't outright buying the stock. I and mean, maybe Correct. we need maybe we need a broker dealer to explain broker this dealer. to us. So there was a follow-up tweet um saying basically again, I can't vouch for the um whether this is accurate or not, but basically saying the real story is that SoftBank is dwarfed by retail traders who spent thirty four yeah, billion in call premiums in a month. And there's a chart that shows this. Unless SoftBank cuts its orders into ten lots. <laughs> which you never know. Wait, anyway. wait, which basically brings us to the fact that there is this Robin Hood and we've got Dave Portnoy, David. Well, we, we've been t- we've been talking about this forever, and it's been fun to watch. Is like when you look at your PA every day, and it's going up like three uh, percent. It's a it's a lot of fun, but this market, I, I mean, and we look we look at valuations. Obviously, it's a big part of our job, and we haven't been able to explain <laughs> a lot of it, and. It, you know, the the retail phenomena is, is pushing some of this and the idea that investors can't lose as Portnoy has been beating the drum on. Well, and, and to that, let's just read Portnoy's tweet is I need every Davy Day trader member out there in the streets buying the dip today. We will not go quietly into the night. Don't be scared. This is our moment. And I'm going to play a very just short rally video. 
Sure. And I'm going to play a short video. It's a lot better if you're watching our podcast and listening to it, but I'll sort of narrate and you'll get the feel for it. It's basically in a mid, it's in a Western theme. Holy shit. That blew my ears out. Non-parabolic guy betting against Portnoy. He's basically dismissing all the things that he doesn't believe in. Yeah, I mean, look. I've got the Hanson brothers look going on. Rick, turn that shit off. Can you can you turn this off, please? Basically, please turn that shit off. Basically, Portnoy has been putting out a series of videos. It's sort of him against the suits, and the suits are trying to be rational and tie things to valuation, and he's made fun of Buffett and so on and so forth. And where I stop the video, by the way, it just says go up. It, it, the town is called Suitsville. By yes, the way. he's called him suits the entire the, the entire time. It's like sort of him against the suits and Davy Day Trader and the army. And look, their <laughs> stocks, as we know, don't just go up. And there was a dose of reality yesterday. And he's kind of doubled down today. And. I don't know. Nasdaq's down another two and a half. Uh, well, you know, and it, it just the the reality is, I think there's a lot of investors that have, we've been talking to that have been scratching their head, not trying to try to comprehend what's going on with some of these because earnings haven't been. It's not like earnings are going up. It's just multiples have been. No, I, well, I mean, look, that's not necessarily true. Okay, you've had some really, you had some blowout earnings. I, take Zoom this week. Okay, um, but Zoom was up hundreds of percent before even it. No, printed. I I understand, but still destroyed anyone's kind of wildest imagination. Stock went up forty percent. I think then our old firm put a buy on twenty it or thirty percent after that. <laughs> exactly, um, it retraced. It retraced a lot of it. So yeah, I think techs that are are beating numbers. Um, but there's been more multiple there. To your point, there has been more multiple expansion than anything else. And I think Apple is sort of the poster child for that. Well, well, speaking, speaking of Apple, should we talk about Apple's big news this week? Are you okay. asking me to read this tweet? This is, I was actually, Brandon's loves this topic. So I thought Brandon okay. would leave. What, IDFA? Yeah, because IDFA is something you I think you've been worried about, especially given the video game companies and sort of fear around them using it. But, you know, it looks like Apple's pushing back the changes to iOS 14 specifically related to the, this privacy change. Yeah, they're giving some time to uh, adopt to uh, or adapt to the changes is is what the tweet from the information says. It's still happening, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, whether it is whether it happens in a month or two months or three months, you don't seem too worried about it, though, Rich. It, despite Facebook's warnings, we've talked about this a few times, despite um, I, I will say Facebook has warned about a lot of things. Company. I remember yeah. the Facebook <laughs> GDPR warnings I, and the the California, you know, you know, Facebook's had more excuses for de- why de- decelerating growth, always overestimating their costs, so on and so forth. They've tried to keep expectations low um, for sure. Look, I, I don't want to make felt it felt different I, on the call. It felt a little different, Rich, though, on the on the callback uh, after last quarter. It did. But I, I will say at the end of the day, 
this feels like not a, yet another example where the big get bigger. They're, they're going to get stronger because they already have a lot of underlying data uh, on their users just from time spent on these applications. And I, I do feel like, you know, even for a gaming company, they have a lot of ability to leverage their own user base, you know, and, and all of the information around it. They're going to be in a lot better position than a new startup gaming company or a new startup, you know, mobile social company. Like, it, I just feel like at the end of the day, yes, this is going to end up with a, the, the, the worst part about this, honestly, Brandon, is that you're going to have a bad user experience, right? Because you're going to see less targeted ads. And so yep. you and I, when you go onto your phone, you're going to see ads that you go like, why am I getting this? And it's, that's actually going to be something that I assume Apple doesn't really intend, but that's going to be the end result. I agree. Maybe you'll discover something that you that you like, Rich. Maybe this will actually be good for you rather than just feeding you stuff that the algo thinks that you should get. Like more nerd glasses. Or more political <laughs> views that you already believe in. <laughs> Diversify, yeah. baby. Let's go. Mr. Filter okay. Bubble. Um, okay, so let's uh, move on. M- uh, moving on, we've got the big news from AT&T, Walt. Why don't you give us both? Well, there's no news from AT&T, Rich, as always, but this is Apollo, um, allegedly, uh, looking to purchase. And I think there was some also stories that said um, AT&T is considering it. And obviously, not a surprise, right? I mean, if you listen to... The new AT&T uh, CEO, um, Stanky, uh, on any recent press things, when asked about this, he kind of intimated that, like, look, the company's taking the company in a new way. Ergen, specifically on his call, said it was inevitable. He doesn't know whether it's happening next week or whenever, but, like, this is something that's inevitable. So here we are, phase one. So the interesting wrinkle in this was really a David Faber uh, report where he insists that AT&T will no way talk to um, – to uh, to dish about an so yeah, look, that makes no sense. Is okay, there but, even any juice? In, well, first of all, in, in spinning it out, if you're not going to unlock the synergies with dish, so I have great respect for David Faber. He's not someone that throws shit against the wall. So the only way I could, so let's take that and just assume that he got good information from somebody that thinks they know. Um, maybe the issue is like, look the election's coming up, but you don't want to do anything to trigger the president to look your way. Even if, even if you're planning on announcing this deal, let's say Trump wins and it's a Trump administration, even if you're still planning on doing this, A, you don't want him at all voicing anything about this, about anything that you're doing as a company, right? Because that typically doesn't, isn't positive. Second, um, look, there could be a scenario where the AT&T management team is just like, look, CNN is such a liability for us. We don't want to go through the fight. Maybe the easier way to do this is to first somehow, you know, sell it in some way. I mean, they would still maintain some equity stake to a private equity firm. And then phase two would be that new firm then merging with Dish. Now, you theoretically, to your point, Brandon, like you're giving up what could be $2 billion in synergies um, by do, by doing a two-step process, but there's probably ways that they can negotiate with the private equity firm where they can retain some ability to get those synergies. But you're 100% right. Like the whole point of, yeah, that's of the this there, deal, right? <laughs> like if, if, if you're Apollo or any private equity firm and you decide to buy this thing in, in any way or invest in it, like of course the, the, the game uh, other, is to, other, to yeah, merge Otherwise, what are you yeah. betting on? Like that. But, but, let, me just, that but, but let me just step back. The declines are going to be like, slower than the market no, yeah, you're gonna somehow fix the the, I mean, the exodus on. from pay tv no you're yeah, there's <laughs> only one way to win here right yeah i agree but the, but the the thing that i think that we're missing is it's not just about cnn my guess is 
the government would still have to get comfortable, right? And you could definitely make a big case out of the fact that, hey, you own Turner, you own HBO. Now you're going to have an even bigger MVPD engine that, you know, yes, you're selling it, but, you know, you're creating this larger entity that has this relationship, you know, my guess is it's just the size and scale issue of the distributor you're creating. And are you getting sweetheart deals for your programming on the way out? Like it may just be cleaner to spin it off to an Apollo, figure out some way to, you know, to unload a ton of AT&T's debt and then do it in a two-step process and a one-step process. Well, but those I mean, that, arguments that you just uh, made in terms of the scale wouldn't go away it. if it was in a two-step process. Except for the fact that it, it might be a year from now and they would have lost more subs. And by the way, I think you're 100% wrong. I don't think any anyone in government is so dumb to under, not understand the pay TV market in terms of- That it's going away. That it's going away and there's multiple competitors, whether it's- That's the feedback we've gotten also. Right. So, so, so then sometimes you get these people saying like, okay, there's, well, in rural America, there's only one player. In my view, that's a ridiculous argument because in my home, I have- four options, right? I've got um, Fios, Dish, DirecTV, and um, I guess it's Altice, right? My pricing is no different from the guy that only has two options and all the in Montana. It's yeah, the same exact YouTube pricing. TV right now. It's this, and, and, oh, exactly right. I'm sorry. You're right, Brandon. And, and Brit, uh, YouTube TV, Sling, whatever, and all. So yeah, my point yeah. is, but I still, ch- I still select DirecTV. So I, I know some of our competitors have brought, have brought this up as an issue, this, uh, this approval thing. But I, you're right, Walt. And all the feedback that we've gotten from everyone we've spoken to, somewhat close to this situation believes that it's, it's some of these, possible and, and now. To your point, I mean, the world some, has changed Rich, so much. And, and to your point, Brandon, some of these people making those arguments, when's the last time they've been to D.C.? <laughs> exactly. Talk to anyone at any of these regulatory agencies or at the companies that, that are trying to, trying to figure out how to, 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 to live in the current regulatory environment. Well, and, and that's why I bring up this slide of like YouTube TV adding NFL Network and Red Zone. But if you read the fine print on this slide... It says, you know, you know, we've had continued to, to partner with leagues and networks to deliver a robust sports experience, adding the Turner Networks, NBA TV, NBA League Pass, and MLB Network. I mean, YouTube TV, essentially now, a couple of RSNs, I know they don't have- Well, I was going to say, yes, they've gone the, uh, kind of the other way on the RSNs, right? They've, but they basically it's not have just, all it's national also sports with now. This, it's also with the Sinclair RSNs, didn't they kind of limit the- the zones, bit, yeah, the how thing. far the zones are. Look, the the argument, you have to have broadband to get that, right? So the argument theoretically would be in some part of the country where there's no broadband and your your options are Dish or DirecTV, that you're theoretically eliminating that option. And my point is like, okay, but your pricing doesn't change. It's national pricing. So you're not going to get hurt by the fact that two went to one in terms of the Correct. options that are in that market. People have more options than ever before. I mean, we didn't talk about Hulu Live, but there's so many options for video now. It, it's almost ridiculous that to even have the conversation. And, and by the way, Dish could also say, hey, I'm going to take this these $2 billion in synergies and plow it into my wireless market and deliver you wireless broadband in all these markets that the- theoretically don't have broadband today. And now, by the way, on the, YouTube, on the YouTube TV one, I guess, and we'll, we'll come back to AT&T in a second. Um, it it looks like they're really just offering Red Zone for ten bucks. I mean, that's that's what that offer is. I never even heard of some of the other content. Who cares? That, Red there. Zone for ten dollars a month as an add-on is a pretty good deal. 
Yeah, it's fine. It used to be priced on Time Warner. I used to pay Time Warner Cable. I used to pay $50 for a season, I think. Yeah, it was like annual for that package. Whatever. But whatever, okay. same same difference. Essentially five months of the football season. Uh, but video games are staying with AT&T, at least as that's the word yeah, out this, of uh, Bloomberg earlier in the week. Yeah, this is the right move. When they put this up for sale, I was very, very surprised that they were contemplating it with Jason there. When we had Jason on Lightshed Live at the beginning, the day that he was announced as as running um, Warner, he said that he thought video games were important. <laughs> so Jason who, Rich? Who is that? Kylar. Kylar. <laughs> Very good. I got it nailed now. I'm never screwing this up ever yeah. again. I, I know all reason, I do is I say yeah. I, I say Tyler in my head and then I say Kylar. I mean, I just, Kyler, but yeah. but look, I, I know they want to sort of focus at at Warner and and pare down the portfolio a little bit and you know, delever or whatever they want to do financially. But um, this is still the fastest growing piece of the entertainment industry. It's really shined during COVID. There's been a lot of players that have come back and been reengaged. And they're literally, as you would say, Rich, the only diversified media company that has been able to build a successful game publisher so, so really have so to give i mean really have to give kevin sujahara credit i mean he really believed in gaming early on and and allowed this and, and kept investing in it and didn't shy away from the category where most other media companies have just totally missed it now what stanky said to us going back is if they were going to stick then they they'd have to get bigger he thought so this also lines up now is instead of an asset for sale, potentially another buyer of a video game IP, and you know Activision, um, Take Two, and EA all have a ton of cash and are all under levered, and I think all would like to make acquisitions. So, it's still a very fragmented space, though. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities all around the are, world for acquisitions. There's, yeah, there's a ton of small studios everywhere. Internationally, I look, I don't know what happened. Ubi, Ubisoft could, could be interesting if the family ever wanted to put it up for sale. They're run <laughs> pretty inefficiently. Um, I guess they're a French company. And there's IP there. That would be attractive to all of these buyers uh so and obviously they've had some of the these problems you know look for at&t over the, the last few months but at&t the ten thousand foot observation is getting out of for the new ceo getting out of shitty deals from the past and keeping the stuff that's actually good and, you know, you could talk about where the valuation was, was speculated at in some of those press reports, which was $20 billion, but who knows if that includes the Brazilian business or, excuse me, the Latin American business, which is primarily Brazil or the ad business or whatever it is. If they can dump this thing and dump five times leverage, right, that's not a terrible thing. I think you got to put the past behind you. I think this is just, you know, he's got to reposition the company. I mean, just too many bad deals done and like you can't fix the past. So just move on. Yeah, One of so, the things, and it's, well, it hasn't been long after he took over too. It was Tanky took over, so making moves. 
One thing AT&T didn't do this week, Walt, was buy Spectrum. Well, it fits into what we just said, which is they didn't buy CBRS Spectrum, but there's a C-band auction uh, that's coming up that they could be, um, you know, kind of holding back their capital for that and being more aggressive there. CBRS is, you know, it's it's a diverse spectrum. And, and I think the takeaway here is there were other bidders. And one was a guy that's going to be the landlord at Amazon headquarters, Um and the biggest winner was obviously Verizon, but in a smaller number of markets. But Dish was the, was the big surprise because they bought it in a nationwide position. Everyone knows that Dish is trying to do more than just a consumer wireless strategy. So um, for them to get a nationwide position on CBRS is interesting to us because we've done a lot of work on this spectrum and understanding who's interested in it. And it's going to be used in very unique private LTE, um, IoT type of things that big tech is very interested in. So I think it was it was kind of in hindsight being 2020, it was interesting to see Dish being the only uh, bidder to to pick up a nationwide spectrum position, and it just continues with that thesis that we've been hearing about. You know, as we continue to try and talk to the vendors that they've already hired and figure out uh, what Dish is doing. Certainly, one of the more interesting names in the space. It's it's kind of evolved into being kind of a story stock, and you have to believe in what you think that Charlie can do over the next five or 10 years. Um, but this is kind of an early tea leaf to give you some visibility on that. If you add up the three cable companies, Cox, Charter, and Comcast, does it tell you anything in terms of their overall scale of what they could do with that if they work together? I know they've tried to work together. Those three specifically have tried to work together multiple times in the past. I mean, they did it. They did as expected, which was to get their 20 megahertz in footprint. So none of them, they're kind of sticking to their typical cable thing. I'm going to stay in my neighborhood and let my buddy buy his stuff. So we'll see what happens on CBAN. Someone should probably partner with these guys and say, look, we'll do the bidding for you. Uh, on a JV basis, give us a little money. We'll, we'll fund someone our, on our own. And if you need to use the spectrum in the future, because clearly cable sees a future in wireless, they're gaining traction on the MVNO front, the CBRS spectrum they're going to use to offload uh, the Verizon. So they won't have to use Verizon's network as much. C-band has to be a component of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them being active either directly like they did within the CBRS auction, or maybe finding someone uh, to form a JV kind of bidding front for them um, to bid against uh, Verizon and AT&T and, and maybe T-Mobile. Although I don't know if T-Mobile is going to be allowed to bid, but we can get into that later. <laughs> um, we should have done this one right after, but uh, video games, obviously new games out, Brandon. Um, we got football season starting. So of course there's Madden. Uh, walk us through what we, what we're thinking. Well, Madden, Madden's out. Um, I, I don't think the Metacritic score uh, was very good. I think it was somewhere in the low 60s. There's been some... Does it matter to people some, buying? Some complaints. My my guess is, and we've only kind of seen UK data, and the UK, I think, was down something like 43% year over year in the launch week, which some of that was definitely a mix shift to digital that wasn't counted there. Um, but it's also the UK market, which Madden is primarily a North America game. And my guess is they'll still do their eight, nine, 10, whatever they do, a million units a year. And EA is pretty steady Eddie with, with, with the sports games. I think the more interesting one, um, which is kind of flown under the radar um, it is 
Activision released the remaster of Pro Skater 1 and 2, the, the Tony Hawk games. I don't know if you guys played that. What does that mean, remaster? They just basically they updated take, it? Yeah, they take the old the old game and they redo the artwork and update gotcha. it, maybe make some changes to the physics. But um, also, my, Vicarious Visions modernized the game a little bit. Um, it um for for this particular remaster um but it got an 88 on metacritic i saw it was trending on twitter today actually and i think this remaster business at activision has kind of flown under the radar if you see when they put out the because it's much less expensive but yet generates meaningful new investment in the game yeah, by consumers. I, look, I think it's not it's not just the economics and by the way, the Crash Bandicoot the fir- uh first Crash Bandicoot remaster did uh, 11 or 12 million units which But it sets you up for the new version huge, too, right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's it's almost a, a research ground to see if there's still interest in the IP and to create buzz and excitement um, if you plan to to have a brand new upfront release in the franchise, and you Crash Four is coming out um, pretty shortly, we they kind of debuted some of it uh, at the online games con the last a few weeks ago, and the feedback was good there. And if you see some of the quotes out of Tony Hawk himself. He said that this could lead to some new IP there. So this is a sort of important under the radar business for Activision, not just financially, but also in terms of uh, bringing back um, more IP. Peloton said to be launching new cheaper treadmill and a higher end stationary smart bike. There's really nothing new in the cheaper treadmill. I think it's been talked about um, going back probably eight or nine months. There was talk of the treadmill being too expensive. And what's far more interesting to me, though, is the higher end stationary bike uh, was reading sort of some of the the reports on what's going to be announced next week. And Peloton reports next week, uh, their fiscal year end, um, I think is the 10th they're reporting. But what makes this so interesting, Brandon, at least in terms of I was reading about it, and Walt, you'll find this really interesting too, because I think you do some of the off the bike stuff. Supposedly the screen is going to pivot on the new bike so that basically you can use it more like a home, like the screen for a home gym. So you don't have to like right now, the the screen is stuck in that one position. You have to be on the bike and you have to, if you want to use the off the bike stuff, you need to have a separate screen in wherever your gym is. Now, effectively, you'll be able to use this screen as your gym workout screen for all types of activities. That is amazing innovation, Rich. Amazing. I thought it was pretty cool. Rotation on the screen. You can also just airplay cool. the app from your phone to whatever smart television that you have, or or you think you're buying an ad. So uh, wait a minute, with this cheaper bike, are they still going to have these advertisements where they show the bike? Oh, no, it's a really more fa- it's a more expensive, more bike expensive bike. Oh, sorry, treadmill and cheaper. Oh, tre- oh, sorry, I read that wrong. Yeah, they never show the treadmill in the middle of the living room. It's always the wait a minute. How do you make a more expensive bike? What the hell are they going to do to it? Isn't that thing like seven or eight grand? He, he just told you. <laughs> no. No, the bike is what a few. Grand? I forget how you much could, I spent. Twenty five hundred. So they're going to charge more just because of the rotating screen. No, it it's like, going to obviously do more than that. It's not going to be like just that. That's like when we got new monitor stands. We oh got my the- god! 
the are, are they going to offer different? Like, are they going to offer a gold, a pink gold color too, Rich? <laughs> this is rose. Crazy. It's rose gold, Walt. Rose gold is what my oh, kids want. God. Rose gold. Got it. A rose gold Peloton with a pivoting screen. Sounds like that's worth an extra two grand. DraftKings, Brandon. <laughs> um. Yeah, this was so DraftKings announced that Michael Jordan is now a quote special advisor to the company. Um, and they were giving him some kind of an equity grant for it, and the stock was up like 15% that day, which kind of goes back to the beginning of the podcast and some of the crazy things that have been going on in the market. I personally don't understand what MJ is going to do for DraftKings. I guess you know, he was a marketing machine. Um, <laughs> back he's going to just talk about last, he's going to talk about last dance on nonstop repeat. Uh, no, I mean, look, he knows how to lure there, people into the big bets though. Right. I mean, he's made a lot of, he's known for making a lot of sizable golf bets and uh, what have you. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has expertise in betting. <laughs> Um, but so maybe, maybe he's the advisor. He's like, you know, how you bring the big, the big, the big Vegas rollers in. It's, it reminds me of that hair I, club. I Isn't that that hair club for men? To I'm me, not just a, to me, I'm not just is, a spokesperson. I'm also a user. Yeah, exactly. To me, this is just a marketing deal. I have no idea why the stock was up 15%. Honestly, don't, I don't think he's going to be continuously outspoken on this. Well, he and just doesn't have the same the course following. of the business, the way, Penn did when they when they brought Barstool in. There's and a difference between. Was, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Not Brandon. No, no guys, sorry. I was saying there's a difference between like a big, well-known celebrity endorsing a product and Davy Day Trader, who's got the minions that says like, "Okay, we're all going to go to this app and and do betting on Penn." Yeah, it's I just know. a big difference. So I, and, that's, I, and that's I and totally that's sort of why totally agree with you. And so Erica Nardini, who's the CEO of Barstool, tweeted out, could MJ beat me at one-on-one? Probably. Do I win 21 to nothing in business? Definitely. And there was I a mean, Barstool post about it, but it was just sort of funny. MJ you know, has not done so hot with the, uh, with, with the Charlotte Hornets, that's for sure. He just doesn't have the same type of – I just don't think it's the same thing, but whatever. I mean, stocks go up for – as we've learned, a variety of reasons. Um, so, The other big news in the podcast world this week was Joe Rogan uh, launched his podcast on Spotify. So it had been the most searched for podcast on Spotify that wasn't there. Basically, He's starting since- to look like Artie Lang. <laughs> he looks pretty beat up there honestly. by the way he Holy should cow. he should endorse one of these um one of these uh one of these gaming things and I, maybe he can I do fanduel next follower. fanduel doesn't yeah. have a sponsor yet like that all right fanduel get in there do we get a vague if there's a uh if they actually cut that deal so R- rogan's already his number nose f- is even starting to indent like <laughs> <laughs> like Artie lang's did from from all that blow Okay. Okay. Stop. Stop. Is this Um, just a bad picture? So he's already number five on Spotify. He's only been there for a few days now. Uh, Brandon, I know you think that's a disappointing that he's only five. He was seven yesterday. No, I mean, look, I've been kind of tracking the download data um, for, for Spotify. I think part of the hope was that with these podcast podcast initiatives and especially um, with Joe Rogan, that it would also spur demand to use Spotify compared to 
other competitors and it has it just hasn't had any impact as of yet but to your point it it's not exclusive yet and it yeah, won't i think be- let, let's see what december so brings let's, let's see what happens then yeah, I, I think it's like, well, let's let's see. But, you know, this is the beginning. He's building his audience. But the other thing that I thought was interesting, Brandon, is this is reporting his on, audience. <laughs> what's on the screen um, is is just a screenshot from uh, from Instagram where he posted this video. But inside of Spotify, the full Joe Rogan video is playing inside of the Spotify player. So it just it shows how Spotify is bringing more and more yep. video in. And eventually we'll start bringing in natively sold video ads into the platform. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's their playbook and it, it makes sense. Let's just, well, well yeah, and the, the, it's a wait and see on what the overall impact is. For, but there's more to what Spotify is doing in video, which I wanted to kind of just segue into, which is they filed a patent this week for a feature that would allow users to create video moments with accompanying music within the Spotify app. Uh, the headline of the music, it's funny that it says musically.com is the name of the website. Uh, it says Spotify experimenting with TikTok like user generated videos. And, you know, with with the outlook for TikTok getting less and less clear with the government sort of banning AI from leaving China, we're starting to think about maybe Trump, maybe China just wants Trump to, you know, shut down uh, TikTok because it'll make Trump look bad. It'll outrage tens of millions of young people. Maybe that's the opportunity for companies like Spotify to jump in here and sort of be opportunistic of, hey, how can we people love using music? And obviously there's a lot more to why TikTok works. I know, Walt, we've talked about how much you love the algorithm and how fun it is to use. So I don't think Spotify can just snap their fingers and be in the business. But it is just, you know, whether it's reels or especially especially given their history in video. Yeah, they've sucked at video. I I mean, mean, honestly, yeah, look, this this simulcast of the Rogan podcast in video is the best video strategy for them because they haven't been able to do anything else in video. And truthfully, so I, they should probably just concentrate on their their core business and the podcast experience itself, which still isn't perfect. Look, there's no doubt the the, spot, the podcast experience on Spotify has to get better. I mean, look, we'd love our podcast to be on Spotify. You can't have private podcasts even on Spotify. So there's a lot of work to still make it the world's best podcast player. But I do think that if TikTok isn't going to be sold, and, and again, we don't know what happens. I assume we'll find out over the course of the next, you know, I guess the next 11 days, given the, the Trump deadline of September 15th. But if it does get shut down, that would just seem to be a huge opportunity for anybody to create some form of, you know, leveraging the, the functionality and taking advantage of people that clearly like using music and creating content with music easily. I'm going to go way out on a limb and say that the deadline that our administration sometimes provides don't always necessarily get met. So I'm not sure that this is going to be necessarily over within 11 days. You can make it a talking point and not necessarily kill it. And in terms of the outrage of the X number of users, again, I don't know how we verify those counts, but whoever many of those users, isn't that the, the subset of people that's already outraged? So I don't know. I mean, it seems like something. I don't that, think most people realize it's about to get shut down or could get shut down. I don't think people really, I mean, do you think most users understand that TikTok might not exist? At, at this point that 
um, someone's vote is going to be driven one way or another on TikTok. If if probably a lot of those users are, you know, voting one way anyway. But who knows? I don't know the demographics or how not, how what the numbers look like. Nor do I think that that would be a consideration um, for the administration one way or another. And frankly, like I said, this eleven day deadline doesn't mean anything. Meaning that like he consideration can still yell and yell and yell. for which administration for the Trump administration for the current administration. Yeah. So. Anything that that the only consideration for the Trump administration is um, is votes, right? So, but I'm saying that you don't seventy percent of TikTok users are of voting age, at least according to their stats. Right, but my point is that like you don't necessarily have to shut it down. Like just like you don't necessarily have to build the wall. It can be a talking point, and a talking point, and a talking. So my point is that in eleven days. I don't know if that's a true deadline. There may be something else that like it gets slid back, like cross this line, no, cross this line. And you can still rail against um, the Chinese influence or whatever it is and not necessarily do something. And frankly, again, I don't know if the administration would necessarily consider shutting it down, angering and voters that would have voted for him before. They're not going to vote for him because he happened to shut down TikTok. I don't know. I'm just saying if I'm sitting there in China and I want to, exert pain on Trump, letting it get sold, letting key technology out of China to help a U.S. company like Microsoft or Oracle and helping Trump take a victory lap may not be high on their list right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But on the flip side, like doing stuff that prevents that also allows the administration to point and say, look, look, the Chinese, this validates everything we've been saying about, you know, like how they're messing with our stuff. So it cuts both ways. It does. I don't know what's going to happen. It's just this is going to be wild over the course of the next few weeks. And I also think the only thing I'd say on this before we move on is the the idea that Trump is going to not stay to his deadline just sort of feels like it makes him look weak. Like he set a deadline. Now, he doesn't like walking back things. So I'd be surprised. But look, we'll see. It seems like he's pretty dead. He keeps reiterating the September 15th date even earlier this week. Okay. We Let's talk SpaceX. Date down SpaceX. And see what happens. SpaceX, what do we got? Plane going over. Do you hear that? Is that drowning out the podcast? No, I don't Um, hear anything. So SpaceX, they launched another 60 Starlink satellites, which whatever, they they keep doing this, which is great and all. But um, they tweeted um, an interesting data point, which is results from the test, meaning there's people that are are getting their internet from satellites that SpaceX has now launched, um, have shown super low latency and download speeds greater than 100 megabits per second. Um, obviously, very good speeds. You know, I would. I actually I listened to every one of these SpaceX launches, and they were talking really more about rural customers. But again, low latency, and I've seen some of the tests, and they're sub 30 second latency, meaning like what your cell phone gets when you click on your browser, and 100 megabit per second service is probably going to, um, if they can deliver that reliably, have an impact on more than just some rural customers, right? There are you know, plenty of DSL and other customers out there that have fixed infrastructure um, that could be interested in that. So interesting data point. Uh, is there any time frame of like, if this really worked, like when this could actually, is this years, like three no, or five? No, or they're, this dude, is... they're, they're, I mean, as you know, SpaceX launches these things up and then the, and then the rockets land. So they're doing 60, 60, 60. So... You know, you've already got coverage in the northern uh, part of the United States. There's going to be some betas happening, and then they're, they're, that will expand um, quickly, very, very quickly. Very quickly. What about the brain chips? The brain chips? You mean to read your thoughts? 
Um, so look, one of the challenges of, of Star Isn't Link that is Elon's new thing? Is going to be the CPE um, and the antenna in your house and how it moves and how it communicates with the. And there's a lot of doubters out there that think they can't get the price point down low enough. Um, but again, this is a classic one of those. You have the, you, look, SpaceX, Tesla, they are attracting the smartest people, the smartest engineers to work there. That's where people are going. So, and they're redesigning this thing from, from scratch. So, I think, you don't think they're going know. to AMC Networks? Um, yeah, no. All right. What do we got next? We got, um, a little bit of COVID just because we've got sort of the movies taking different approaches. So we've got our first big movie out this weekend. Tenant is opening up speculation. Warner brothers is saying 20 million plus. We think it probably is 30 million plus. Some of the exhibitors are talking up 50 million, which seems crazy. Got to remember, all the results are going to include a week and a half data out of Canada because the studios did not, or Warner Brothers did not want to release their Canada number since it opened in Canada last week. They refused to release it. They want to embed the Canada number into this week's number. So the number is going to be juiced a little bit. A little bit, just a little, little bit. Very, very slightly. All right. Um, I just think like they're, you know, Canada is usually seven to 10% of the U.S. So it helps a little bit. I wouldn't read too much into it. But my guess is if the number is meaningfully above 30 million, the studio or, you know, everyone in the movie world will feel good that at least people are coming back. I think if the number really is sort of 20 million or less, it's going to be, you know, definitely disappointing given how many days are involved. The other approach, though, is that the other big test we've got out is Mulan's available right now for $30. And basically every major platform signed on, including Amazon earlier this morning. So basically in-app purchase everywhere, $30 only for Disney Plus subscribers. It's a big number. We're going to see how many people don't want to wait until December 4th to see Mulan because it's only a three-month wait. And it's, you know, quote unquote, included with Disney Plus in those three months. And I don't know. The PVOD test here, Rich. What do you think? You know, I I took a big shot of the on the screen. I put I put up the full screenshot, and the reason I took such a large screenshot is that in the upper left hand corner it says PG thirteen. You know, if this was Mulan, I think of my sister who's got two five year old girls. If it was Frozen two coming out and it was PVOD, it wouldn't even matter. It could be thirty dollars, forty dollars. She would definitely do it. Thirty dollars for a PG thirteen movie that you know is going to be available. I just don't. Know. I mean, I think I think there'll be millions of purchases, meaning three, four, five million. Will this get up into the seven, eight, nine, ten million? I, I think that's just hard to imagine at that price point. But look, we've never seen it before. I give Disney a lot of credit for trying yep. and learning. They're going to get more data on PVOD than they've ever had in their history. Is this make or break for PVOD, Rich? Well, you know, th- this is sort of a weird PVOD, right? Because it's normally PVOD, like normally Apple would be selling it and Amazon and P-Vod. Google, Xbox. Play- I mean, P-Vod. normally everybody would be offering this PVOD. This is P-Vod. only available inside of Disney Plus. And so remember, there's only 30 million Disney Plus subscribers or 33 in the U.S., let's just say. So you've already cut down your audience pretty substantially. Yes, some new people may go to Disney Plus and sign up, but I mean, to imagine signing up for Disney Plus so that you can then spend thirty dollars on Mulan seems like a pretty niche. Well, that isn't that the playbook that they use with UFC. That's what I was just going to ask. What, what is WWE Plus? and UFC like? What are these WWE is isn't isn't on there. It's just a straight ten dollar a month subscription. Oh. So but UFC so, they UFC, drove what, several million. They probably drove 
two, you know, when do you think at least one to two million incremental people they drove over to ESPN Plus? No, no, but if you do a UFC where you're paying thirty or forty bucks or any type of fight, like what what are their numbers? Like what are their unit numbers like? Oh, they charge an extra sixty dollars, but it comes with. I think the way it works is if you sign up for one pay per view, um, you get ESPN Plus for the year. Is that right, Brandon? There's some deal where, or you get one pay per view. If you sign up for a year of ESPN Plus, you get one pay per view. I'm going to draw a blank or butcher the uh, yeah, map, but but they do a package deal I think, where the, I think where the pay per view comes with it. I think you get a discounted pay per view. I, I don't. Maybe I what don't, it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, thirty dollars. There's going to be at least two people watching that thing, and that's kind of like a movie price for two people. And there could be three or four or five people. However, we all know that like paying thirty dollars when you're going to the theater is different than at home, and people are just cheap, and they'd rather just pay four dollars maybe for cheap. for that phone. That's why I'm asking about some of these yeah. other pay per view events. Pivot, pivot. These pay per view events, like what unit numbers do they attract? Do they attract a million, two million? Because you could theoretically scale it up for Disney and yeah, say you, yes, there's a you, much broader argue, you, audience for Mulan than someone getting their face bloodied. No, yes, you, you, except you one have, is an event that is happens that night and then it's gone. The other one is, you know, there isn't as much of an event. I mean, there's lots of movies on Netflix that are available at no incremental cost. The Irishman didn't charge $30 extra and was available the day it came out on, you know, on Netflix. But does so, the average viewer know when Mulan is going to be available on Disney Plus? If you look on the screen, it literally show? says, watch it, really? w- watch its release on Disney Plus subscription on December 4th. Before yeah, the release to all Disney Plus subs on sorry, I, December fourth. Yes. So you know when you buy, it you're is getting in the clarity. small print, Rich, and I don't know if people could see it if they're not wearing those fancy glasses that you're wearing. Even I can't read it with my fancy glasses. Exactly. On to the next. Okay. The other only other piece of this is Batman shutting down production several days after they restarted with one of the stars, Robert Pattinson, getting COVID, and I think just shows. Even as these movies start to come back out, there's going to be a big gap in movie releases because nobody's really creating much on the production side. It's getting it's just so hard to create new movies. But let's go to Match uh, and Bumble, Brandon. The Rob, um, hold on, we missed the opportunity to, to make the joke about Batman wearing a mask. It's not covering his mouth. <laughs> it's like that mask on Etsy. Did you see that tweet about the Etsy oh, mask God. where it was like a doily mask? Someone was selling doily masks on Etsy. Okay, I'm sorry. What, All what was right. next? Bumble? Moving on. Moving we're, on. We're, we're a little slow today. We're getting yeah. ready for the holiday. It's the holiday. By the way, do you hear that crap? Do you know what that is? What? That sounds a like a fax phone. machine. It's, it's a home phone. I, I can't hear it. I don't even know why there's a home phone here, but it's. Okay, Bumble. It's Bumble, focus. Okay. Um, so. Word is out in this whole IPO craze, and we've seen a number of companies either file in the last two weeks for IPOs or sort of leak to the press that they were going to file for IPOs. Makes sense given where the, uh, the market has been, and especially tech stocks. Uh, one of those is Bumble. Um, the dating app, which Blackstone, I guess, now I think owns a majority control of um, as as of last year. The word is six to $8 billion in valuation, which I think, I mean, look, all of Match right now is up to $33 billion. Um, So I think that 
pretty much fits in um, with the kind of implied value of Tinder there. Um, So that's something to watch, number one. And then number two is uh, this article from TechCrunch with um, highlighting Swipe Night, which is... What is Swipe Night? Swipe Night is... It's um, narrative content where I guess like what what's the um, um, the show on Netflix where you could kind of choose your own adventure in the in the one episode the Bandersnatch yeah Bandersnatch <laughs> look um, they've been creative I think if if you look at the numbers or at least the data that we've seen, it looked like you sort of saw going into COVID a little bit of, of slowing of engagement in the, in the U S even though it was kind of mixed in with what, with what was going on internationally. So growth, tender growth was still pretty robust. Now, since, um, now they're taking this show overseas, it really snapped back. But they're trying to figure out ways to, A, differentiate from competitors, one of which is Bumble, uh, which we just mentioned is going public, number one. And number two, just to keep um, people engaged with the app, because the longer uh, and the more engagement, the more likely they are to spend either by upgrading to Tinder Gold or buying microtransactions. So. Yeah, they're they're being creative. I guess everyone's looking for a, a media element. Well, it's like it's funny. It goes back to what we of offerings. Well, well, no, I was just thinking like it t- sort of ties to what Penn Gaming's trying to do. Not to come full circle in this podcast, but like adding the barstool media element to drive engagement with their mobile app. Tinder's trying to do the same thing, adding interactive, engaging content to just give you one more reason to spend more time in the app. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's just. Increase engagement, right? It's a, it's a war for time. We just keep saying it, war for time. Yep. Okay, last okay. one. Breaking news, Walt. Breaking news. This is huge. Go. What is it? What is it? Oh. A yes, new... Apple has a new Apple TV under development. Quote, the company is working on a feature for the new remote similar to Find My iPhone that would make the TV accessory e- easier to find. <laughs> In the words of Phil Schiller from circa 2015, when they released the Mac that looked like a coffee can. Who said we can't? Or what is it? Can't innovate my ass. Is this the innovation is that, that we're getting? A, is that tweet a troll or is that real? That's, well, a good question. I don't I mean, I think it's a prediction about a product. So, but I don't think it was intentionally I mean, that- trollish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have lost that remote I was a lot. I, I've lost that remote I get, multiple I guess times. It, it's like slips into the couch and shit, but like then you just lift the couch cushions. Like or, it, or, it's not like you, you may have left. You, you may have left the remote to your to your Apple TV, like in the car or something. Well, it, and you, don't you contrast it with like Google's coming out with a new. There was other news that we should have had up this week that, you know, there's a new Android or new Chromecast coming out that's supposedly going to be priced at $50. That's going to be a fully functional Apple TV or Roku like device. I, I'd say that's a bit more innovative. And, and you know, Google's trying to really get more into the, the TV business in the U.S., for Apple, I think the problem is the price point of the device is just too expensive for most people. I mean, I love my Apple TV, but yep. I'd say the 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 remote feels over engineered. 
It's just I not as easy. The, to I use. Uh, I hate the remote. The remote's terrible. You can use your phone. I know, but yeah, but it's the same. It's the same thing because it's either way. It's that touch. It's that sort of touch screen sort of situation. Too hard to forward. Fast forwarding is too hard. I don't like. You guys are like BlackBerry users that never wanted to leave your keyboard. Come on, the remote's fine. You want a lot of buttons? You want to go back to the cable buttons? Okay. Um, More important than that, they're talking about the uh, the. I think the other tweet said that the forest green that they had um, on the current iPhone, which I have, yeah, very very beautiful color, dark blue, dark yeah, blue. It's going to dark blue, another color that I love. So I'm pretty. So what are we doing this that. weekend? What are we doing this weekend? What are we What are we doing? Huh? You got any weekend I'm, reading, Brandon? I'm just doing what I do every weekend and during the week yeah i'll do more work reading because that's what i do but actually i did i honestly um i bought the seven powers um like a month ago and i haven't had a chance to read it yet that's the book that reed reed hastings has said was the most influential business strategy book um on on him at least and Obviously, he's been very influential on how we see the world. So figured I would go back to the source. That's like, I don't know, going to listen to Django Reinhardt play because that was the inspiration for Jerry Garcia or something. So I know he wrote the forward to that book. I bought it. I'll probably read it and I'll let you know how it is. Walter, I'm going to read, I believe, from Gutenberg to the history. I'm sorry. From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future by Tom Wheeler. Well, can you see that or is my camera? No, because working? it's blue. Oh, it, it, you know, because it blew for some reason, it like disappeared. It, you know, know what? Why. It, Rich, the hardback. It must have yeah. a, uh, some green in that blue. Blue. Maybe it's that's why. I don't know. It disappeared. So it's like the green screen is picking it oh, up. There it is. Now I saw it. Remember just... that like, if it has any green in it, like Melania's dress. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> But how am I like? It was green, and then people. There it is. Now I see it perfectly. I had to sit up. I was slouching too much. Tom Wheeler's book. We'd love to have him uh, on a light shed live to discuss the future of regulation in case there might be a change in the administration coming up. Can his book support the podcast? (laughs) No, definitely not. And I'm going to be reading. I don't know if I can put it up. There we go. Um, Reed Hastings book comes out this week. Uh, we got a copy An advanced no, copy, rich, n- not signed though. It was not signed. It wasn't disappointingly. Signed? No, it hardback there's no, as there's well? no sign. Hardback. Yeah. Hardback. Yeah. Who buys a hardback? That's I signed? did. I, I, I like to buy hardbacks also. I just like to hold a book once in a while. Can if you, if you want to East mail it to me, I can write like a forward in it and sign it for you. I'm sure the next time we see Reed, whenever that may be, with this these co Spencer Wang offered just to, to sign it for me. Then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, uh, have a great Labor Day weekend. That's episode twenty. Uh, enjoy the, the Islanders. Weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>